Uh, well, I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, uh, if you would like, to Matthew 5, uh, verse 6. Uh, so you can open up your Bibles or smartphones, or if you just want to listen, uh, that's totally appropriate as well. I'm going to read from Matthew 5, verse 6. Jesus says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, that we are able to engage in your word and your teaching in this capacity. And as we open up this time, I ask that you make our uh, eyes able to see, our ears able to hear, and our hearts able to be transformed. Lord, help us engage this text in our lives, in our perspectives, in our beliefs. We thank you that you are with us. We pray all this in the name of your Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I am a very interesting person. Uh, and I don't mean like world's most interesting person. Like you're going to be around, you're going to want to spend time with me. I'm like, I mean like interesting like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> and there's been different things uh, in my life that have brought that about. Deep friendships, marriage, uh, but something recently is home ownership that there's certain quirks about me that I didn't realize until I was responsible for a property and, and upkeeping it, which is hard when you have three young kids who ruin everything, uh, just uh, physically, not emotionally. Uh, and I have, uh, so with a house, you know that things break and, and things go wrong and uh, things just aren't quite what I want them to be. They're not quite right. And I have these two extreme responses. Maybe I have two, just, I just have two responses. I'm a little bit of an extremist. Uh, one is I'm really zealous to do something. I'm really zealous. So an example uh, is we used to have a lot of shrubs and a lot of weeds and things like that uh, in our yard. And I would come home from work. I would be dressed like this. And I would pull into the home and I'd say, oh, I don't like the way that looks. And so I'll be like, it'll just take like five minutes. And I'm like, pulling and pulling, and then like three hours later, like I'm getting a call from my wife, like, oh, are you staying late today? And I'm like, no, I'm just in the yard, just pulling things out. And I just get this single-minded focus to complete this task. But then and there's uh, some other things that happen. Uh, so another example is recently one of our, store, our stairs broke. One of our stairs broke. Uh, it's the bottom uh, step, just the wood underneath, and we're just walking on it, and it just cracked once. And I looked at that, and I thought, I could live with that. That's not a big deal. I can always just skip that step. And so there's different things in my house that I'm like so focused on fixing, so focused that I'm just going to spend all my time and energy just doing this thing. And then there's other things that I'm just like, no, I don't care. Whatever. This isn't a big deal. I can totally live with this. And it's fun to think about home ownership. It's fun to think about a lot of different things about being extremist, being zealous, or being apathetic about completing things. Uh, but the truth is, is that in life, we all have dissatisfaction. In all of life, there's things that are happening that we see and that we experience that we're not satisfied with. And I, I believe that most of us have one of these two reactions. It's just extreme zealousness where we're going, 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 fixing, fixing, fixing. And then the other side, which is like, well, this is the house that I live in. This is a broken stair. And what we see here in this text is this, uh, this weird paradox where there's hunger paired with satisfaction. There's deep need and suffering paired with great satisfaction. And looking at this text, and what I want to say simply is, is just this. So if you hear anything 
uh, this morning, this is what I want you to hear. That God alone can satisfy our soul's cravings. God alone can satisfy our soul's cravings. And this morning, we're going to look at three specific holy attributes that we see in the text. We're going to look at three specific holy attributes that we see in the text. And when I say holy, I don't mean uh, perfect, but I mean holy as in right, good. We should be doing this. And so the first holy attribute that we see in this text in Matthew 5, 6, is this idea of holy dissatisfaction. Holy dissatisfaction. Jesus opens up this statement with, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. When I first read that, I think, well, yeah, yeah, I understand that, because sometimes I get pretty hungry in between lunch and dinner, and I'm really getting hangry. But the people who were the original listeners, this wasn't their context. They didn't have grocery stores. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have faucets. The idea of food and drink was completely different to them then than it is to us now. The original hearers, they would know what hunger and thirst is. They would know what it's like to lose your water. They lived in the desert. They would know what it's like to go days and days without having a solid meal. They understand hunger and thirst. And Jesus is using this illustration, this analogy, to connect to their heart, to something that they know and something that they feel. There's even a lot of people uh, who were the original hearers that they've been experiencing this oppression from the Roman government. They're being taxed like crazy. Uh, They're being ruled over. And a lot of the people here were ready for a great revolt. They were ready to say, this isn't right, and we need to overthrow this government. So when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, there's this deep, deep connection for the original hearers. But to be be frank, I, I don't think our culture does well with hunger and thirst. I don't think we do well with dissatisfaction. I mean, one of the great salesman uh, advertisement is satisfaction guaranteed. We love satisfaction. If something doesn't satisfy us, we're going to go somewhere else. We don't want to waste our energy being dissatisfied. So it's really hard for us, and maybe it's just me. Maybe you guys are like, no, I'm pretty good with dissatisfaction. Maybe it's just me. Uh, Dissatisfaction is really, really hard to handle. And just like my house, a lot of us, we have these two different responses to dissatisfaction. One is just the problem solving. I'm dissatisfied, so I'm going to fix it. I'm unhappy here, so I'm going to move forward. We have this focus, this hyper-focus on resolving the problem. And then others of us, whatever. Life is terrible. This is what we live in. This is what our lot in life is. Excuse me, I'm going to drink a sip of water. (laughs) And a lot of us, we have these two separate uh, reactions to uh, dissatisfaction, and it's really, really hard for us to live in this dissatisfaction. But maybe uh, what I can talk about is kind of the Western Christian world, how we handle dissatisfaction. It's really embarrassing to say that we're dissatisfied, because we're, we're Christians, you know? We're supposed to be happy. We're supposed to be joyful. And if we admit that we're dissatisfied, then maybe we're admitting that we're doing something wrong. 
and we're admitting that God isn't giving something to us. And so we hide it. We hide it by not sharing it with people. We hide it by not sharing it with ourselves, with being honest, with being dissatisfied. And a lot of us here, we need just to be able to say something isn't right. Something isn't right in my life and in this world. We need to be able to admit that there is dissatisfaction and it is good to have that dissatisfaction. But that is kind of a loaded statement. How can it be good? How can it be good to be dissatisfied? So we have these three different holy attributes. The first one is this holy dissatisfaction, but the second one is what I want to call holy direction. Holy direction. See, I think that uh, dissatisfaction is a lot like a wind-up toy. Uh, So like I said, I have three kids, and they have all these cars everywhere all the time. Uh, that I just keep finding in the house, and it's the kind that you put on the ground and you pull back, and that tension springs. You guys know what I'm talking about? Can I, yeah? Okay. Two people. You pull it back, and it gains that tension, and when you release it, it goes somewhere, and it goes far, farther than I would expect. And I think this is what our dissatisfaction is like. When we're dissatisfied, this tension is growing in us, and it's winding back and back and back. And whatever direction that we're pointed in, is where we're going to go to satisfy that. Whatever direction we're pointed in is going to go to where we're going to satisfy that. So I think that we need to be able to point our dissatisfaction in the right direction. It says here in the text, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness. So many of us were dissatisfied and we're frustrated with our lives and with this world. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to look for. I often think about, uh, once again, my kids. uh, Sometimes they're so hungry, and they're so hungry, and they just won't eat. They won't eat. They're crying, and they're at the table, and I microwaved these gourmet chicken nuggets that I got from Aldi, and they're not gourmet at all, but they are delicious. uh, And the food is right there, and they're crying, and they're hungry, and they're tired. And the solution is right here. But they don't want that. And they don't speak English because they're kids. (laughs) And so they don't understand that feeling. They feel that tension and that pain, and they don't know what they need. They don't know what they're looking for. A lot of us are here. A lot of us are feeling that tension and that pain, that stress. We look at ourselves, and then we look at this world. We look at all the injustice. What are we looking for? This is so dissatisfying. So where do I turn? Maybe that's a good question to ask yourself right now. Is where do you turn when you feel dissatisfied? Maybe you turn to entertainment. Maybe you think, man, I'm just wiped out. You know, I just need like a, just a veg day. I just need to binge a TV show. Maybe you go to apathy or cynicism You feel dissatisfied, so you just want to point to and blame everybody else. Or maybe uh, you do go to uh, eating. Maybe there's some stress eaters here. I'm pretty sure that I have uh, kept one specific Taco Bell in business. You start to feel this when you feel stressed out and frustrated and dissatisfied. What are the things that you turn to? Where are the places that you go? 
And what Jesus says here is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That ultimately, when we feel this dissatisfaction, when we feel that something isn't right, what we want are things to be right. We want our lives to be right. We want our city to be right. We want our country, our world to be right. And it's frustrating when we're seeing in the news and we're reading things, when we're experiencing things, things that aren't right. What do we crave? Where do we go? See, I believe that our, and I believe that we see this in this text, that this holy direction, so that our craving is longing for God. See, when God created the world, he had this design. He had this design for you. He had this design for me to live in community with him, live in community with each other, where we love each other, where we forgive one another, where there's not abuse or oppression, where there's no murder or stealing. This was God's design. And each of us, we have this desire to live in this right world. And once again, it's not just this right world for us to live in, that we want to live uh, in perfect community with each other and with God. But this desire for righteousness, for right living, has enormous implications for how we view our world. You can't be for righteousness and it just stop between you and God. When it says blessed, there are multiple words for that. There's blessed or happy or flourishing. We want this world and this city, our neighbors, our community to be flourishing. That the implications of my rightness with God and with each other is that we want that for other people. I mean, at the very baseline, we would like them to not be killed. We would like them to not be oppressed or abused. We would like for power structures of the government and churches and schools to be for the betterment of our city, not to use their power to abuse. And so now the, the question uh, lends it to our third holy attribute. So our dissatisfaction is directed towards righteousness, so how do we proceed? We have this dissatisfaction, okay, that's good, I'm okay with being dissatisfied. All right, there's this holy direction, okay, so uh, it's pointed to God and, and craving Him. So then what is the next step? And that last holy attribute is holy dependence, holy dependence. And it says this in the text, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Be satisfied. I've been watching uh, a show called Chef's Table. Anybody else watch that show? Yeah, there's a lot of people. Uh, and so Chef's Table is really interesting because it's about fine dining. Uh, and so I have zero experience with that. Uh, and so when I look at these meals and I look at these chefs creating something really creative, I say, that looks really nice, but I have no idea what it tastes like, and so it's hard for me to crave it. 
oh, here's a, a hibiscus uh, Jackson fruit uh, fire ant uh, covered in golden malaise on top of a, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever. I'm like, okay, that looks cool. I, I'm really interested, but I have no palate for it. I have no idea what it tastes like, so I don't know what I'm missing. And when we look at this text, shall be satisfied, it almost feels like Jesus is offering this thing that we don't know what it tastes like. We really don't know what it tastes like. And that's what this this whole beatitude section is about. Jesus is telling us what it looks like to live in his kingdom, to live in this tension between tasted and can imagine and experience but not fully fulfilled yet. And there's this weird paradox with dependence. There's like so much in our faith. There's these tensions that we're feeling both and simultaneously. And this dependence idea about uh, where they shall be satisfied, where we shall be satisfied, is this idea of embracing our inability to, perf- uh, to have perfect righteousness. Now, while still embracing the high calling to give everything we can, to pursue this righteousness. Do you guys see that tension? Where it's both and, both our inability and both our high calling. When we think about uh, those who hunger, if you truly hungered, you wouldn't just sit around and do nothing about it. You would pursue it. I think about a story, uh, just last summer I was able to go to Colorado uh, with my family and we did visit the well, the church that we prayed for. uh, So that was really cool. Uh, but we were hiking, and I had my daughter Agatha on my back. Uh, she's an infant, uh, so it was easier to carry her, but she's like in the 90th percentile, so like it was tough. Uh, and then I had my son Ebenezer with me, uh, who was five, and we were hiking, and uh, I thought it was a loop, the path that we were on, uh, and it was not. <laughs> it was a straight line. And so I, I was with my family, and they had all the food, Uh, and they had all the water, and Ebenezer and I were like, let's go, let's go, let's go explore. Uh, And so we just went. And uh, when people started looking at Ebenezer and saying, good for you, buddy, that's when I started to say, something's not right here. (laughs) And they were so impressed with me, with my daughter on my back, and my son, who's five years old, and we're hiking, and it's just going up. It's only going up. And it was about four miles in that I thought, I think this is a straight line. I don't think this is going to meet with the group. And, uh, and so we're both sweating. Uh, you know, Agatha's on my back, and I think I, I couldn't tell the difference between sweat and urine. Uh, it was just, it was a mess. And so, uh, you know, my son is like, I'm ready for that trail mix now. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Uh, and we have no water. And so we're going, and we, we turn around. People are like, yeah, you're doing it, buddy. And I'm like, yes, we're doing it. And the, you know, subconsciously, I'm like, this could be the end. Uh, <laughs> and we, we were really starting to get hungry and thirsty. Uh, and so we were moving. We were motivated. We were motivated to get to the end. We were motivated to keep going. Uh, and this is just a side note. What was partly uh, embarrassing is everybody who made eye contact with my son, he would tell them the story. Uh, And they'd say, good for you. And he'd said, we lost my mom. We have no food or water. (laughs) And I would get, no, we're fine. We're good. We're okay. We're good. But we were motivated by this hunger and thirst. 
We didn't just stop and casually say, oh, you know, it'll come. No, eventually this meal will come. Eventually the trail mix will come. We are completely motivated to move forward. I love this quote by Martin Luther. He says this, The command to you is, to not, is not to crawl into a corner or into the desert, but to run out, if that is where you have been, and to offer your hands and your feet and your whole body and to wager everything you have and can do. This invitation to hunger and thirst for righteousness is an invitation to sacrificial living. An invitation to know what we are craving. An invitation to pursue what we are craving. Now, in, in church world, in Christians, this is a, an interesting paradox where there's a complete inability but complete calling. And later on in, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, Jesus says this. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the scribes and Pharisees, something that they were pretty good at was public righteousness. They were, like, amazing at it. Just any time you saw them, they were doing something righteous. There was times that they were walking through the streets with their eyes closed, just praying as loud as they can, just praying for the people. But in private, they weren't serving the people. They weren't loving the people. They weren't sacrificially pursuing righteousness. And what Jesus is saying is you can practice righteousness all day. But if you are not pursuing righteousness in your heart, if you don't have a hunger and a thirst and a crave for right living, personally and in our world, you will never enter this kingdom. And I think this is really interesting to consider in church world, just like I said, because I think there are ways that uh, as the church we can uh, create these different dichotomies. Uh, I'm just going to think of something fun. Uh, like I made like a laser tag fellowship. And I'm like, oh, it's a great time to get together and we're going to have fun and have like this deep community. And it's on, uh, it's on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. And I'm there and maybe a few other people that are there and they're like, yes, this is great. This is great. We're reaching out to people and we're loving each other. But then we start realizing there's a lot of people who aren't here. I get really frustrated with them. Why aren't they doing righteousness the way I think it should be done? Why aren't they doing what I want the way that I want them to do it? I think there's a lot of ways as a church we can put our expectations on people. We can put our expectations on each other. That we're uh, having this unhealthy expectation that you do righteousness the way that I think you should do righteousness but it's really just the way that I want to do it. So there's this dichotomy, embracing our inability, embracing our calling, this holy dependence that we have. And like I said before, there is a taste of this here. Our pursuits of righteousness aren't in vain. We are able to do good for our community and for our city and for the people and for our neighbors when we pursue God's kingdom here on this earth. But we'll never be completely satisfied. We'll never get to a place where there's perfect justice here on this earth. 
but I want to read this from uh, Revelation chapter 7. It says this, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We have this hope, this future hope of perfect justice, of living in a kingdom that's perfectly right. When we think about these holy attributes, holy dissatisfaction, holy direction, and holy, uh, excuse me, holy dependence, if I can be completely candid, uh, this, this isn't me. Like, I can't muster this in me. Like, I don't naturally have this craving for righteousness. I don't naturally think when I'm having a really hard day and I'm looking at the world that God needs to interject. And it's hard to consider that. But that's not what we're being brought into, is it? That's not what Jesus is saying when he explains the kingdom. See, it says this in Psalm 107, verse 9, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he feel, fills with good things. He satisfies the longing soul. Maybe we're thinking, man, Jesus is disillusioned. He has this a perfect ideal that nobody can live in. When we think about Jesus and who he is and what he did, we remember that Jesus left his heavenly home. Jesus left his heavenly home to live in our broken home. I have a broken home. There's crayon markings on the wall. That stair is still broken. There's weeds. I, I pulled up all the weeds, but they came back. It's a mess. There's just this continual over and over and over again fixing that has to be done. And Jesus left his heavenly home that was perfect. There is no sin. There's no pain. And he left that home to enter into our broken home. He left a home of perfect satisfaction, perfect communion to live in a world where he opened himself up to be dissatisfied. Looking at the unrighteousness in our world, fully experiencing it, seeing people oppressed, seeing people abused. He opened himself up to that. He lived a life where there was dissatisfaction and he looked to God to satisfy that. He came to our broken home to invite us into his perfect home. And there's this, once again, this beautiful paradox where Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And that's what we're invited into, is this satisfaction that we get a taste of here, living in God's kingdom. And we look forward to that perfect satisfaction, the fullness of living in the glory of and goodness of God. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much 
for your sacrificial love for us. We thank you that you left your heavenly home to live among us. Lord, we thank you that you satisfy our souls, that we are free to be dissatisfied and to admit that to you, to be honest with you, and to be honest with ourselves. We thank you that Christ has invited us into this kingdom, that we can pursue righteousness, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that ultimately we can depend on you, that you have called us to something high and costly, but something that you were willing to pay, both on our benefit and as our model. Lord, we pray that we would depend on you to satisfy all of our soul's cravings. We pray all this in the name of your Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.